0: Hello and welcome back to the Bible Companion series by P.H. Thompson. This is Exodus chapter 9, verses 1-7, through the fifth plague, death of livestock. Unmoved by the first four plagues, which were uncomfortable and inconvenient, this fifth plague marks a change. There is not just discomfort, but destruction of personal property. God directs Moses to go to Pharaoh and say, This is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, says. Let my people go, so that they may worship me. We learn a lot from the names that God gives himself. Here he identifies himself with a particular people group. He is the God of the Hebrews, and his name is the Lord. Moses continues, If you refuse to let them go and continue to hold them back, the hand of the Lord will bring a terrible plague on your livestock in the field, on your horses, donkeys, and camels, and on your cattle, sheep, and goats. But the Lord will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and that of Egypt, so that no animal belonging to the Israelites will die. Again, he makes a difference between the Egyptians and the Israelites. God also sets a time for this plague. Tomorrow the Lord will do this in the land. It happens just as he says, although we're not told how it happened. It must have been a shock for them to watch all their animals just suddenly die inexplicably, probably from some kind of pestilence or moraine. The Egyptians worshiped their cattle especially, but they were God's creatures to control. They had been given advance warning, allowing time to repent, or at least prepare and protect their animals. Any animals that were kept in stables would be safe. And the next day the Lord did it. All the livestock of the Egyptians died, but not one animal belonging to the Israelites died. This loss would be devastating to the economy. These animals were required for food, farming, military supplies, and transportation. They had impoverished Israel. Now God would impoverish them. This would have been an assault on the god Hathor, which is the Egyptian goddess of love and protection, who is often depicted with the head of a cow. The bull was considered a sacred animal. This proved she could not protect the livestock. We're told, Pharaoh investigated and found that not even one of the animals of the Israelites had died. You'd think this would make him pause and consider who he was up against, but no. Yet his heart was unyielding and he would not let the people go. Hard-heartedness is not affected by threatening, mercy, or promises. Verses 8-12, the sixth plague boils. Like many dictators, they are not particularly concerned about the suffering of their people. Economic hardship didn't touch him. Now God brings the suffering of the, to the people of Egypt in the form of boils. This one is personal, affecting human health. When lesser plagues don't work, God brings worse ones. This plague came unannounced but all the Egyptians would know the source by now. Once again, God uses one thing, soot from a furnace, and causes it to become a fine mist or dust when Moses tosses it in the air in front of Pharaoh. This furnace was likely used for making bricks, ironically now being used to oppress the oppressors. It caused festering boils to break out on people and animals throughout the land. This would be any animals not considered livestock. They did so, and it happened, just as God said. Cleanliness was important to Egyptian culture, and this made the magicians not just ceremonially unclean, but in pain, so they weren't able to come before Pharaoh. At this point, Pharaoh had wisely stopped asking them to duplicate the plague, as everyone was already suffering so much. These magicians disappear from the scriptural record, and the only ones left standing are Moses and Aaron. This plague was a challenge to Isis, the goddess of medicine and peace. She could not prevent these boils from occurring, nor heal them. Did this move Pharaoh to change his mind? No. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord had said to Moses. This is the second time God mentioning mentions hardening Pharaoh's heart so that he could carry out his purposes. Before we think Pharaoh is a pawn, remember he was only doing what he wanted to do and God was not acting on a neutral person, but a wicked man. Verses 13 through 26. The 7th plague, hail. The 7th plague is announced to Pharaoh, again early in the morning near the river. God says, This is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, says. Let my people go, so that they may worship me, or this time I will send the full force of my plagues against you and against your officials and your people, so you may know that there is no one like me in all the earth. This was the sixth reason. He calls them my plagues, to let Pharaoh know this was God's work. They were against Pharaoh personally, against his officials and the people of Egypt. It would strike to their very heart. God has held back his full fury. He tells what would have happened otherwise. He says, For by now I could have stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with a plague that would have wiped you off the earth. He was showing mercy, even in the midst of judgment. As bad as these plagues were, they weren't ultimately putting an end to the nation. Yet there was a reason for God hardening Pharaoh's heart. He says, But I have raised you up for this very purpose, that I might show you my power, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. This was the seventh reason. Because he is sovereign over the affairs of the earth, and desires that his glorious name is proclaimed worldwide. This shows the sovereignty of God in world affairs and in raising up leaders. Jesus told Pilate this. Jesus answered, You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Jeremiah recalls this and God's desire for his glory to be known. He says, You performed signs and wonders in Egypt and have continued them to this day in Israel and among all mankind and have gained the renown that is still yours. Jeremiah 32.20 Paul uses this event in Romans 17 and 18 to prove God's sovereignty. He adds, therefore God has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy and he hardens whom he wants to harden. Moses continues, You still set yourself against my people and will not let them go. This showed that God still held Pharaoh accountable for his actions. Therefore, at this time tomorrow, I will send the worst hailstorm that has ever fallen on Egypt, from the day it was founded till now. This would be the worst storm in their history, but it came with a gracious warning. Give an order now to bring your livestock and everything you have in the field to a place of shelter, because the hail will fall on every person and animal that has not been brought in and is still out in the field, and they will die. They could still save any remaining animals if they acted in faith in the word of God. You'd think the previous six plagues would help them understand it would happen as he said. Then we have two different responses to the gracious warning. Those officials of Pharaoh, who feared the word of the Lord, hurried to bring their slaves and their livestock inside. But those who ignored the word of the Lord left their slaves and livestock in the field. How heartless to leave both people and animals outside when it is no hardship to take them into safety and avoid loss of life and property. Their losses were on their own hands. This time Moses is directed to stretch his hand out toward the sky and that would initiate the hailstorm sent by God. It would fall on people, animals, and crops growing in the fields. This storm includes not just hail, but thunder and lightning. It also stripped the trees. It must have been terrifying to be outdoors in such a storm. Since such things have been recorded, the largest chunk of hail was 8 inches wide and almost 2 pounds, recorded in South Dakota on July 23, 2010, and these were likely much larger. God controls the weather. This was a challenge to Newt, the Egyptian goddess of the sky. She was seen as a star-covered nude woman arching over the earth. It also challenged Seth, or Set, the god of chaos and storms. So the only place it did not hail was the land of Goshen, where the Israelites were. Although the plague itself was announced in advance, the discriminatory aspect of it was not. It was only reported after the fact. This was the third time God's people were protected. The land of Goshen was the place Joseph and the Pharaoh of his day situated the children of Israel when they first arrived in the land. Verses 27-35, to Pharaoh's response. While the devastating storm is still raging, Pharaoh summons Moses and Aaron. He seems to repent, but adds the caveat this time. He says, This time I have sinned, he said to them. The Lord is in the right, and I and my people are in the wrong. Pray to the Lord, for we have had enough thunder and hail. He is not truly humbled. He is just tired of the unrelenting punishment. He understands that the Lord brought it, and he is the only one who can remove it. I will let you go. You don't have to stay any longer. This is his third lie. Moses replied, When I have gone out of the city, I will spread out my hands to the Lord in prayer. The thunder will stop and there will be no more hail, so that you may know that the earth is the Lord's. He had stretched his hands out to the sky to begin this storm. Doing so again would end it. The sudden end to the storm in response to Moses' prayer would demonstrate to Pharaoh that God owns and controls the planet he created. This was the eighth reason. Moses is not fooled by Pharaoh's words of contrition, but I know that you and your officials still do not fear the Lord God. Pharaoh would again repent of his repentance. Then we have a news bulletin indicating the time of year this occurred in February. It says, The flax and barley were destroyed since the barley had headed and the flax was in bloom. The wheat and spelt, however, were not destroyed because they ripened later. That some crops were spared was a mercy that gave Pharaoh time to repent before others were destroyed. Those that were destroyed were used more to make clothing and the libations used in their worship. Then Moses left Pharaoh and went out of the city. He spread out his hands toward the Lord. The thunder and hail stopped, and the rain no longer poured down on the land. Moses had no reason to personally fear the storm. We are immortal till our work is done, says a famous Christian. Another reprieve. The result? When Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunder had stopped, he sinned again. He and his officials hardened their hearts. So Pharaoh's heart was hard, and he would not let the Israelites go, just as the Lord had said through Moses. He had claimed to have sinned once. He wanted Moses to entreat the Lord, and he would let Israel go, but all of its promises were set aside, and it was business as usual. For the first time, the attitude of Pharaoh's counselors and officials is included. They are also hard-hearted. Just as Moses stood before the enemy and prevailed, so we can be assured of ultimate victory. God ordained the death of these animals. He is aware of the death of the least of his creatures. God gave gracious warnings allowing time to repent and avoid punishment. There were different responses to this warning. God's patience should lead us to repentance. Keep listening for Exodus chapter 10. May God bless the study of his word.